Greetings, all you high flyers and daredevils. This is episode three of The Drawing Board, the podcast. I'm your wingman, Nicholas Deep 666 Petrella, and with me tonight is my co pilot, David the Gooseman Gossett. How you doing tonight, David? <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to, to get just enough people to like me, and then I have my, my one faithful mission where I die to make you uh, have, some, have some skin in the game later. <laughs> <laughs> and to, anyway, <clears throat> uh, already this is going to be a good show. Tonight oh, yeah. we're talking about probably one of, the, one of the best action cartoons of the 90s, still fondly remembered to this day, even though it only lasted two seasons, I'm of course talking about SWAT Cats, the Radical oh, yeah. Squadron. <laughs> oh, fantastic show. It was one of my uh favorites growing up, if only because uh I was one of those poor kids just in the south, just a simple boy. And so the idea that Hanna Barbera was like, we'll put this on TBS, you know, where just anyone can watch it. Yeah. Oh, exactly, man. For those not in the know, uh, SWAT Cats was an animated series done by, of all people, Hanna-Barbera, debuted on September 11th, 1993 on TBS, and created by uh, two Montreal brothers, Christian and Yvonne Trembley, who do a lot of, who have for years done a lot of artwork for stuff, mainly for uh, uh, clothing, sleepwear, and the show is pretty simple. It's a Monster of the Week type show where... The titular SWAT cats, T-Bone and Razor, uh, Chance Furlong and Jay Clawson, who go under the codenames T-Bone and Razor, fought a different villain that would either want to destroy or take over the fictional Mega Cat City. The, the, you can see it as like the New York, the Gotham City of this uh, fictional cat universe. Um, their story... Their story is they were former enforcers that were dishonorably discharged after... Uh, letting uh, one of their villains, Dark Cat, get away. And to pay off their debt, they had to work in a junk shop. They decided, you know, with all this junk lying around, hey, why don't we make our own jet? And they did, called the Turbo Cat. But that's the main thing with this series. There's a, there's not only a cool fighter jet, there's also all these cool gadgets and missiles, like octopus missiles, buzzsaw missiles. And, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um... Why don't you, um, Goss, you saw this when you were about, back in the 90s, back when we were both youngins. Um, when did you see it, and, like, what was your first, like, real reaction towards what you were watching? So, uh, for those who were unaware at the time, like, the only other real kind of action cartoon at that time you would have caught, at least for me, would have been, like, Captain Planet, which is, uh, objectively not fun. It's not a fun time. <laughs> uh, so... Like, they would have that, uh, I'm trying to remember if this was around the same time as, like, the new Johnny Quest, or if that came later, but, uh, Hanna-Barbera started, like, actioning up their cartoons, and I remember catching it, and the main thing is just the intro is so fantastic, like, the little just intro theme start of the show is, like, so dynamic and exciting that you're like, oh, there's dinosaurs and jets and everything's exploding. These dudes are cool. Like, so that was the main thing that stuck with me. And then just, uh, I always had a fondness for Razor just because I like, uh, I like smart guys on teams. So like Razor just being in charge of like coming up with gadgets and shooting the missiles and all that stuff. 
Uh, right, you got to have the brains and the brawn. Shit. Absolutely. T-Bone's, T-Bone's the brawn and the and the main pilot of the Turbo Cat. Razor's mm-hmm. the guy who's the brains, who who's still as capable and strong as as T-Bone. He, you know, definitely more agile, but also is the guy who, like, invents stuff like the cement gun and the different missiles they use for each episode. <laughs> Those missiles, man. Oh, God. <laughs> I love the – my favorites are definitely the octopus missiles and the slicer missiles. I like the uh, I like the cookie cutter missile <laughs> that just like latches on, burrows into something, and then just like pulls something out. It's great. Now you gotta understand for the folks, for the two people listening to this podcast, as of right now, I'm pretty. I'm hoping <laughs> to get more. I'm hoping to get more. Is that this cartoon was a definite standout for many reasons. One of them not only being the music. Uh, done by three uh, different, com- four different composers, actually. I got their names down here. Uh, Matt Mahubarak, I hope I pronounced that right. Randall Chrisman, John Zucker, and Nick Brown. And the main, the, all the music was played on these, uh, for Randall and John played on a 1990 Japanese-made Fender Strat with a humbugger pickup. A lot of whammy bars on that one. So the music was <laughs> one of the big standouts of the series. Not only that, but the art style as well. Mm. It had, unlike a lot of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, which, you know, had this very, you know, the very clean, typical, you know, inoffensive art style, which mm-hmm. was simply, you know, which was simply done for the budget constraints of television. It looked like you were watching an Ameri- a gritty American comic book, especially at the time since Image Comics were popular. Oh, yeah. That was a big standout. Also, the third standout was definitely how violent it was. Now this is a monster of the week show and you're going to get uh and and you're going to get like you know the the enforcers the main uh the main police of the SWAT cat universe trying to stop whatever villain of the day uh or giant monster of the day uh that's coming their way. Mm-hmm. And you know you would always and you know they would they they wouldn't do as well. They wouldn't do really well. And helicopters would explode, and sometimes you wouldn't see them uh, parachuting out. Right. Oh, so yeah. yeah, there were there was not only that. Actually, I'll I'll explain uh, about the level of violence there was and how I came to know about SWAT cats. So one day I was like yeah. flipping through the channels. Uh, it was a like Saturday Sunday morning. I forget what. And I see uh, and let it be known. I just caught I catch this like. A few minutes into the beginning, I didn't even see the opening theme song or know what the name was until I, until like the commercial break, where the SWAT cats are chasing this guy named Morbulus, Morbulus, not Moculus, Morbulus, Morbulus, yeah, Morbulus, yeah, he was a a one shot villain who literally has eyes on the back of his head. They don't explain how he did. We're gonna assume he's some sort of genetic experiment. But he's, uh, you know, they're chasing after him because he's blowing up oil refineries for some reason. Morbulus manages to escape and comes into contact with one of the other, one of uh, the reoccurring villains of the series, Dr. Viper. Viper, you know, you know, says, you're going to be a living test tube. You're, you're a living specimen for my new bacteria. You know, he puts a drop on, on more. Moculus? Morbulus. Morbulus. <laughs> God, I'll remember the name. I just watched the episode like literally like an hour ago. <laughs> it's and good. The, and Morbulus turns into this horrible goo, this horrible gooey, disgusting purple uh, four-eyed monster 
that just grows bigger and eats everything. And I'm looking at this like, wow, this is something for kids. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, the, the main thing, because I also did a, a bit of a rewatch. Um, luckily, uh, the service Verve has like every all of SWAT cats on there uh, right now is uh, basically this show did not need to go as hard as it did for the kids, but by gum it, it committed. <laughs> and, like, the show is better for it, especially since, uh, I mean, at the time, particularly in the 90s, there was a big aversion to, like, you can't really show anything on shows at all, which is, you know, why all the guns make pew-pew instead of bang-bang noises. Uh, <laughs> and why they don't look like guns either, they look like toys. Oh, yeah. I remember the, the worst offender for that was the 90s Spider-Man thing where regular cops had giant, like, year 3000 laser guns for everything. But, uh, yeah, like, SWAT Cats establishes that, like, there is actual danger. Like, people can get hurt. Mortality is a thing in this universe. Like... Oh, yeah. And speaking of which, in the second episode, too, that uh, giant bacteria eats a whole subway car with people inside. Now, you're expecting after the bacteria is destroyed, those people would just be fine? No, they're they're full on dead. You don't see them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shuffled off this mortal coil. <laughs> Pretty much. And, you know, the funny thing I learned when doing some research for... For this show, I had watched I watched the old two seasons like a few months prior to recording this, is that uh, the original premise, it was actually supposed to be a comedy. So it has a lot in common with uh, another favorite 90s cartoon of mine, Gargoyles. And mm -hmm. I feel had it become a full-on slapstick comedy, it would just be, you know, the typical Hanna-Barbera funny animal cartoon and it wouldn't get the recognition it does today. Right. And like... uh uh, something I noticed is it very quickly even started to shift and become more serious. Like even between season one and two, the actual like complexities of a plot and what the characters are going through is like much more mature. Like uh, the season two episode I had just watched involved dark cat tricking razor into thinking he killed someone accidentally, like basically shaking his faith that he got an innocent in harm's way. <laughs> like, that's a weird thing for a, uh, a show aimed at kids to, to grapple with, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I know what you mean. At, at, during this whole time of the 90s, it was a very, I want to say, a risk-taking era mm -hmm. of, okay, this, and also I think because it had the advantage of being aired on cable owned by crazy billionaire Ted Turner, that <laughs> it was able to, that it was able to do a lot more than what you could do on a normal network. Mm -hmm. It was a definite risk-taking period of, okay, we got this show. We have almost free reign. Let's see how far we can push the envelope. Let's do what we couldn't do the last decade. Right. Now, we mentioned, I mentioned before there are reoccurring villains, and that's definitely uh, the meat and potatoes of SWAT Cats. Because you got a lot of them. Like, uh, Gossett mentioned before, Dark Cat, who's basically, who's just a, I, I want to say a demon in a hood. He has these things called creeplings, but also has, like, battle tanks and wants to take over Mega Cat City for 
some reason. You have yeah. the past master who is an, Im- an immortal 800-year wizard that can summon dinosaurs and dragons from far in the past. You have Dr. Viper, who is a reptilian uh, cat that grows bu- that uh, grows his own bioweapons. Uh, and my favorite, and one two of my favorites, uh, the Metallicats, Max uh. and Molly Mange, who were um, a husband and wife criminal team who, while escaping from Alcatch Traz Island, were uh, presumed dead and were actually... You know their bodies actually recovered by uh, Professor Hackle, and they turn and they're turned into cyborgs. They, Ugh. yeah, they constantly, I mean, they constantly bicker with each other. You know, Molly always insults Max's drive, Max's driving. Max always insults Molly's cooking, and they're out there. They are the definitely the best. And my favorite yeah. one shot villain was definitely this. Uh, this mad this jester villain named uh mad cat i was just watching the episode for mad cat uh his origin story is basically a crazed who was once a great comedian now uh in confined to an insane asylum named lenny ringtail breaks out goes into this uh curio shop to escape the cops and comes across this uh jack-in-the-box possessed by a vengeful jester who wants to capture the king queen knight and his and the jester who took his job hmm. and and he's the best because he he can change he works on the principles of magic a lot more so than some of the other villains where he can teleport everywhere he can grow in size shrink in size he can turn himself into a giant rubber ball into a motorcycle and he's played wonderfully by the late great roddy mcdowell oh all right yeah very nice do you have a favorite villain of yours, uh, Gossip? Uh, you, you, you had you took the words right out of my mouth. I adore the Metallicats, and so here's why: uh, like Dark Cat, who the closest analog I could think of was basically like Doctor Doom. Like Dark Cat is very, uh, you know, machinations and all that stuff. Uh, like all the other villains, Dark Cat wants to destroy, you know, Mega Cat City. Uh, you know, Doctor Viper. Just all mad scientists and all that stuff. The Metallicats were just gangsters who ended up being metal skeletons and just rolled with it the best of anyone. Like, they didn't they didn't earn their supervillain status. They were just like, oh, cool, we're robots now. And they did not change at all. They're just they're just jerks to each other. Like, that's, that's the thing, because the episode when they when it happens where you learn how they became the Metallicats, they just like wake up they just like wake up molly has her uh her regular face on over mm-hmm. her metallic body and none of them are like horrified or you know going crazy or anything they're just like they're just like oh this is a thing now <laughs> in fact when molly sees max her first words is why do you sound so weird because his voice <laughs> is all metallic and everything yeah it's the best. Now, upon rewatching this show too, I kind of noticed a vil- the the villains are cool, but their mm-hmm. motivations for why they want to do this thing are as pa- are as thin as the paper they were drawn on. What does Dark Cat want to do? Destroy Mega Cat City. Why? Just because. What does Doctor Viper want to do? Destroy Mega Cat City. Turn it into Mega Swamp City. Why? Just because. <laughs> now, all they want to do is either destroy or take over Mega Cat City, 
Mm -hmm. And it, it works for a show like this, but for anyone like looking to go into depth with any of these villains, you're kind of shit out of luck. Yeah, and a main thing, uh, the main thing I noticed uh, with Dark Cat particularly, his his he decayed very quickly because like his first plot was I am going to hang out in my volcano lair. I am going to nuke Mega Cat City to ashes, and then I will have won. And then after that, it's just like, ah, I'm going to get something out of the city and take it over. Like, he very quickly just deflates down to regular supervillainy. Yeah, that's kind of, that kind of what got me about, you know, rewatching this show. Not not only that, but there is definite there is some definite 90s tood in in it. With the with some of the the action quips the this cats say to each other, mm -hmm. like uh you know like again I'm thinking of that scene where uh, Razor def defeats that uh, giant bacteria in the subway, and uh, you know T Bone goes Razor what's cooking down there? Razor just quips back French fried bacteria. <laughs> Yeah, there is there is a lot of '90s all over it, from it being the Radical Squadron to cats being spelt with a K. Uh, the the thing that I actually picked up, uh, it, mainly with season one, um, was actually a lot of like pulp adventure vibes out of it in a weird way. Um, like they they very much strike me as like two fisted adventurers going around and you know dealing with all that, even down to the way that. Uh, Captain Farrell talks <laughs> uh, like just because of Gary Owens everything he says sounds like it's on old time radio and like that's right we forgot to talk about Farrell uh, why don't you explain about Farrell Gossett Farrell <laughs> Farrell is he's a he's a perfect entity is what he is uh Captain Farrell is the one in charge of Mega Cat City's enforcers uh who just has a has a huge hatred for the SWAT cats uh, and also Jack and Chance. Um, in fact, he is the he's the one who busts them down to working in the junkyard uh, because he actually gets in their way trying to stop Dark Cat uh, because he was, you know, wanting the collar for himself, screwed everything up, and then put all the blame on them. Uh, he's a giant blowhard and, like, hates the SWAT cats very unreasonably, but... In his defense, he does seem to take his job seriously and actually is trying to defend Mega Cat City. Um, he's a fun he's a fun character. He has a lot of J. Jonah Jameson in him for me. I can see it with the hair. Definitely uh, the hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feral is definitely one of the best parts of the show. Not only... Because Gary Owens gets to play against type. Because, you know, Gary o the late, great Gary Owens was known for his big, booming announcer voice. Mm -hmm. For, you know, <laughs> and he was also the original voice of Space Ghost. Here, yeah. he gets to, you know, like you said, he gets to play a bit of a blowhard commander who, you know, has the people's best interest in mind. And, you know, doesn't like that he is always us usurped by two jet-flying vig vigilantes. Mm -hmm. But it's not like he's, like, always ungrateful. Like, right. there's the end of the episode where they defeat Mad Cat. His uh, mm. lieutenant, Steele, who is, who's only in it for season one. And he was the guy who basically just wants 
Farrell's job without having to do any of the work. And when he actually does get the job, he's pretty cowardly about it. <laughs> Where after he's rescued, comes over to the SWAT cats, you two are going to pay for this. Farrell like extends his hand for a shake and he goes to steal button it. They also saved my life. Not that you care. <laughs> uh, yeah, steel steel was a was a trouble. I I am glad that he uh cuz he he really only has like maybe one or two other appearances in the first season and it's basically just the same thing again. I I am glad that uh cuz in season 2 they introduce uh, Farrell's niece, who is a much better character. <laughs> Felina Farrell, yes. She's definitely yes. a better character. And while she's definitely not as ungrateful to the SWAT cats as uh, Farrell is, Farrell, mm-hmm. you know, will thank them begrudgingly when they help when he helps them out. Felina's always there like, good job, guys. Even mm-hmm. if they didn't get their man, they're like, you know, you did your best. We'll take it from here. You go, you guys go rest up. Oh, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame there was never a season three. But you know, we'll we'll but there is hope, and we'll get to that um, as we near the end of the show. Yeah. Now we also got to talk about uh, their the SWAT cats liaison, Calico Briggs, or oh, Callie, yeah. as uh, as we know her in the show. She is the deputy mayor to Mayor Manx, who's basic, who's just Jim Cummings doing a W.C. Fields impression. <laughs> he's always do. He's all. He's cowardly. I mean, he's all. He's like any politician. He's like he has all this money, all this power, but he's just a coward through and through and just wants to play golf and not do any real work. Yeah. <laughs> Ca- uh, Callie Briggs, or also known as the most, like, capable character in the series. <laughs> like, the SWAT cats are great, but they'll still, like, they'll goof it up from time to time. Callie Briggs, every single second of her life is just like, I gotta do everything. <laughs> like, She's running the city. She's having to deal with Feral. She's the one calling in the SWAT cats. Uh, and, you know, hey, I, I was a kid. Callie Briggs made me feel ways about stuff. <laughs> I'm not too proud. <laughs> no. Oh, God. This is why oh, I'm glad I got you for this show, man. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, you're probably listening to this saying, if this show was so great, why did it only last two seasons? Well, from the stories I've heard, people said, like, it might have been Ted Turner's fault. Because even though it was the highest rated program on TBS, you know, Ted Turner, you know, being Ted Turner, brought his foot down and said, we're not going to have this violent program on our show. Which wasn't the case. He actually enjoyed the show. It was just like the people higher above the crazy billionaire, uh, mainly, you know, parental groups who wanted like violent content off television that, you know, ultimately uh, killed the show. And it's a shame because there were three episodes that were in production that was unfor- that were unfortunately left unfinished. One hmm. of them being retooled into Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Really? Yes. The original episode was called Succubus and was going to be about Commander Farrell, uh, you know, finding a new lady friend to, you know, spend some time with. Turns Mm -hmm. out the lady friend is a succubus that wants to drain his life life essence. And her name was Cataluna. So Mm -hmm. they they retrofitted that into Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, which 
might be the best Scooby-Doo of the 90s. And if anyone's wondering, yes, we will get to Scooby-Doo, possibly hot for Halloween. Will you join me for that, Gossett? Oh, absolutely. I uh, I can go hard in the paint on some Scooby-Doo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, an interesting thing you brought up uh, regarding, like, Ted Turner's involvement on stuff. That seems to be the story on, like, a lot of stuff like regarding TBS and TNT and CNN especially around like the 90s to the early 2000s a lot of stuff would just get thrown at him as being his fault and uh the main thing that I've noticed reading up on stuff that got canceled as a result of that like WCW is that Ted Turner really didn't have much control over what went on his channels (laughs) Like, he owned it, but the people in charge of it had nothing to do with him. (laughs) So they would just decide what would be on air and what would not be. Uh, Like, that was how WCW got canceled. Just other people came in and were like, we don't like wrestling, and canceled it. And Ted was like, ah, well, what are we gonna do about that? And just sort of counted his money and went away. So now we know the inner workings of crazy billionaire Ted Turner. The mouth of the South. Mouth of the South. <laughs> now, uh, I forgot if I asked this. Do, uh, what was your favorite episode upon rewatching SWAT Cats? Uh, okay. I do enjoy uh, the finale of season one where uh, Dr. Viper, Dark Cat, and uh, the Metallic Cats all end up teaming up and then just sort of fall apart. Uh, I do enjoy that, but I think my favorite one uh, is the one I mentioned earlier where Razor has like a crisis of faith, I guess, where uh, he thinks that he has like he thinks that he shot a missile at civilians and got them critically injured. And so he ends up like quitting the SWAT cats for the episode and like going out to go think about stuff. And it's kind of nice to get you know, for a 30-minute Monster of the Week kid show to get, like, kind of a character study for a little bit. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty interesting. That was probably the one that stuck with me the most in this recent rewatch. Yeah, uh, definitely. They There was definitely, not only with SWAT Cats, but with other stuff like X-Men and Batman the Animated Series, where there definitely was definitely more maturity in storytelling and character depth compared to stuff that aired in the 80s where it was just make this product to sell more toys and merchandise that's where Uh the real money is made oh yeah not that not that there wasn't merchandise for SWAT cats I know there was a Super Nintendo game which I don't know if it's good or bad since I never played it but from what I hear it's not super great and I know there was toys Mm -hmm. I don't know for sure I didn't really check into this too much but I'm pretty sure there might have been comics because, I mean, you got this. I mean, the show itself had this dirty, grungy look of comic books of that era. So I don't know if there was comics or not. Hmm. That is uh, that's a good question, actually, Um, because, I mean, that would be almost tailor made for it. Um, If there are, I need to go track them down. (laughs) <laughs> I can tell you that much. Uh, let's see. Herm, herm, herm. We're doing critical and, research now, folks. Yep, this is it. We're we're hacking the mainframe. We're we're crashing the firewall here. Uh, oh, I just remembered another villain I liked. Uh, hard drive. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. The the he cyberpunk. The, te- the cyberpunk techno bad guy who his whole thing was he could hack the system through this code he designed himself to travel into like electrical circuits and wirings and basically hack the hack the mainframe from inside. We never we never found out how he got the code or or what his real ba- or his backstory is. None of these villains have any real backstories except for Doctor Viper, mm-hmm. and that's and that's a, in a season two episode where he where we learn uh, you know how he became the way he is. But and, and the Metallicats. But other right. than that, we never really we never really learned much about Hard Drive. Maybe in the maybe in the upcoming reboot reboot, which I should talk about. Yeah. So. SWAT Cats only goes for two seasons in the 90s. Mm-hmm. 20-some-odd years later, nothing much happens. Until uh, a little... Uh, I see this thing on Facebook about a Kickstarter. SWAT Cats Revolution. Wait, what? As it turns out, the Tremblies had actually bought the rights back for use of their characters and settings and all that stuff. And, you know, asked the fans to... Uh, you know, donate money for SWAT Cats Revival. And they got it, and it's still in the works. Not much is known about it, except this, like, that one piece of concept art. Uh, well, two pieces. The logo, and you also see uh, T-Bone and Razor in their regular SWAT Cats garb with, with uh, jetpacks on. Mm-hmm. Little, you know, little sleek updatedness for, the, for these 2010s that we're in. Right. So, and... By the way, all this there's a lot more info about uh, about the series, about the people behind it, and everything uh, on the official SWAT Cats YouTube channel and SWATCats.info. Y'all should check it out if you ever get the chance, because uh, not they also got episode commentaries from uh, the guy who wrote every single one of them, Glenn Leopold. Oh. I recommend. Yeah, I gotta check more of those out. But I think now I want to ask you this, Goss. Uh, considering you know the revival considering we we know so little about the revival and we don't even know where it's going to air air on probably netflix yeah uh what would you like to see as a possible uh story scenario for an episode uh one thing i would actually enjoy uh is because you know the way it's getting funded kickstarter and all that stuff they're they're going to know their audience is going to be a little bit older. I would like more serialized storytelling. Uh, so, like, them having to deal with an overarching threat. Uh, I would even, like... Okay, so let's do, like, a like a three-episode arc where it's another past master has shown up, throw him into a time vortex, and they are, like, just having to struggle throughout the time stream... For like, you know, three episodes, by the time they come back, like, the time stream has been damaged. And they have to, like, go back and do a whole deus ex machina, figure it out. Uh, I would basically just like more, like, uh, like a season-long sort of storyline would be great. Even, uh, like, a bigger crackdown of the enforcers against the SWAT cats. Uh, much in the same way of, like, you know... Gotham City every couple of years will decide that Batman is someone they need to arrest. <laughs> like, have the SWAT cats be straight up targets of the enforcers now. I don't know. Um, something like that would be something I would be interested in seeing. 
Um, I don't know, like, the gadgets are cool, of course, but I'd like to see them have to be more uh, improvisational with getting out yeah, of situations. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I, you, you know, I just thought of that because a lot of the times they would have the right gadget at the right time mm-hmm. to get out of any situation. Right. I, I can see where you're coming from, man. If, like, if they don't have the right gadget, they got to improvise. They got to MacGyver it somehow. Mm-hmm. Now, what I would like to see, and here's my scenario, where definitely bring in more development on Callie Briggs. And I thought of a good uh, way to do that. Say, uh, you know, SWAT cats are chasing are chasing down their latest villain, like uh, either Dark Cat or the Metallic Cats, and T-Bone gets injured really badly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's the only one that can pilot the Turbo Cat. Right. So Jake does some digging around, finds out that Callie, before she became deputy mayor, was actually a military fighter pilot. And oh. basically he's got to make he's got to make a choice is OK. Well, she has to know. Well, looks like we got to reveal our identity to her and she's got to help us out because. Because, you know, Mega Cat City is open to all sorts of danger. The enforcers are not going to be able to handle this. Uh, you know that I know that. So we got to we got to get you in rigorous training. But you also, you know, you got to keep our secret. Otherwise, if, you know, you tell anybody, the enforcers are definitely going to crack down and, you know, we yeah. are not we are not going to be there to save you all the time. So I definitely would like to see that to have Kelly do more than just call the SWAT cats and be the damsel in the stress for the episode. Make her more capable. Maybe she has some firearms training, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. If she's got. Yeah. If she's got a because, yeah, you know, it's one thing to pilot a jet, uh, you know. Can, if you're out of a jet, can you handle yourself in arm-to-arm combat? Can you handle a gun? Do you know Krav Maga or uh, whatever cat-related pun that goes with Krav Maga? <laughs> By the way, there's a lot of cat puns in that show, too. So if you don't like cat puns, uh, this isn't the one for you. The, the best, I think my favorite thing about all of the cat puns and just the entire premise is that there is nothing in the universe that where they have to be cats. That's the best part. <laughs> they just are. And it could eat like the SWAT cats could easily just be the name of human pilots, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and it makes everything great. Yeah. This also came out around the right time. Cause uh, anthropomorphic action animal heroes were still big at the time. Cause the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Right. And I'm pretty sure had these, had the SWAT cats just been human, uh, me personally, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. True. Yeah, that's the thing. Because you know that st- that makes them stand out more than just oh they're just regular humans. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Now, going back to the reboot, mm-hmm. um, if you could, I don't know for sure if they're getting the old cast back or not, but they're obviously going to have to do something for people who have unfortunately passed on, like Brock Peters is Dark Cat and. Uh, Gary Owens is Commander Farrell. Who do you think would make a good Commander Farrell? Uh, so I have thought about that. And um, my biggest thing that I would actually think of, uh, it would be a little bit different and it would go more towards, more towards the blowhard, I guess. Uh, but Darren Norris, actually. Um, 
who you might know as uh, Timmy's dad on Fairly Hot Parents. Uh, he also was J. Jonah Jameson, I believe, in Spectacular Spider-Man. Yes, so he, he has that kind of, yeah, uh, yelling grovel to him that I think would fit the character. It would be different, of course, but, you know. I see. No, I can definitely see Darren Norris as, uh, as Pharaoh. Because mm-hmm. he has played, like, military guys before. He was, uh, he was, uh, I forget the name of the character exactly, but he was in Gundam OAF MS team as uh, Commander Yuri, not Yuri Keller, Yuri something. I'm forgetting the name at the moment. That's a great anime, by the way, uh, y'all should see. But I, but actually, thinking about it, I'm leaning more towards either Ron Perlman or... Who was the big bad commander in uh, Avatar? You know, the guy with the, the you know, the crew, oh, the uh, gray crew guy. S- uh, Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang, that's him. Yeah, yeah either okay. Ron Perlman or Stephen Lang I can see playing Feral. Okay. Now let me ask you this. For Calico Briggs, would you want Tris McNeil to come back? Or would you rather see her played by another actress who, hmm. who, could, do, who could top a... Uh, what my hypothetical redesign would be. Okay. Well, um, the thing with that is Tress McNeil's fantastic. So she could absolutely just step in and it'd be great. Uh, my mind was thinking like if, if you had to do something different with it and I think it would still be in line with, uh, with your interpretation of, you know, having some, some flight training and all that. Uh, but I would have Callie be, sound at least a little bit older uh my mind went to dana delaney um who was uh most famous like voice wise would be uh lois from the justice league and superman cartoons i think would give it a a pretty good timber to it i could see that yeah, yeah. i don't know why but my mind kind of went to paget brewster a little bit oh yeah yeah i could see that as well now for Mayor Manx, do you think it would do it would be right to, you know, basically just do the same thing they did in the cart the old cartoon where it's just Jim Cummings doing WC Field? Or do you think he should be played more human? Eh. <laughs> basically a more um, <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> Uh, well, that's the, that's the thing because that one is so broad that it's hard to find like a weird angle to shift it to something else. Uh, cause like you could ground it more, but I almost feel like if you still keep it with Jim Cummings doing WC Fields, but you just make him more of a, like have to have more pathos to him it would almost be more effective. <laughs> I I would lock in... I would still have Jim Cummings do it, honestly. If only because I love the idea that there would be, like, Gen Z kids watching something that is a W.C. Fields impression and no one <laughs> really... Like, those kids have no idea who W.C. Fields is. <laughs> and that would make me smile in my heart. But... <laughs> Oh, that's a good answer. 
Hmm. Now, for the reboot, what villains would you like to see come back, or at least redesigned, so they have a lot more to them than they did in the original show? Hmm. Okay. So, hmm. Dr. Viper, I would like to see more of. Uh, Dark Cat, I would... I really don't need to see a lot of Dark Cat because everything you know, need to know about Dark Cat is right there with Dark Cat. Um, so I would kind of put him on the back burner for a while. Uh, so yeah, Dr. Viper, a little bit more exploration into Dr. Viper and his whole deal. Uh, the Metallicats, I would like to see them as like more of an actual like organized crime kingpins, like actually in charge of things. Um, because as it stands, you know, they're just skeleton people who go run around and punch things. It'd be much more easier to see them as like with a power base doing stuff. Um, I would like to see more of those one-off villains, uh, you know, like you had mentioned, there was one, uh, what was it? What was her name? Turmoil, I think. Oh yeah. Turmoil. Oh, she was awesome. Yeah. I'd like to see more turmoil. Um, definitely. I'd love to see, oh, I'd love to see turmoil. Mm. And (laughs) if they get her, if they put her in the reboot, definitely have Kath Sosi come back. Oh yeah. Either that or... Uh, who's a good British actress who could play her with that, with that power and authority in her voice? Hmm. Catherine uh, Tate? I think so. I think it's possible, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other ones that really come up? I think Mad Cat could probably, at least like one more Mad Cat thing. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. We, I mean, we would be, you know, losing Roddy McDowell, of course, but... Of course. Yeah. Roddy McDowell, unfortunately, no longer with us either. Right. Now, if Mad Cat came back, I could see Dwight Schultz playing him, or... Mm. Or... Not Mark Hamill, because, you know, at this point... Not Mark Hamill, because I'm thinking if they redesign Mad Cat, they'd, if then they cast Mark Hamill, they'd probably be te- too tempted to make him very Joker-esque, and I don't want that. Yeah, yeah. And plus, he's a dimensional hopping. He's a dimensional hopping uh, clown demon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, also, I mean, also, uh, Mark Hamill was the the Red Links. Anyway. That's true. He, yeah. Well, actually, you know, speaking of a good episode idea, I'd like to see a. Uh, I'd like to see a reboot of the Red Links episode. Mm-hmm. But this time, you know, actually have uh, have uh, actually have Manx uh, pull pull the trigger and defeat and defeat the Red Links for something other than just voters, like he's yeah. cornered in a, like he's cornered in a room, and he's cornered in in a room. He's at and you know he's running for his life, and he knocks over like uh, a memorial chest dedicated to his grandfather who fought in Mega War Two. And he mm-hmm. just looks at it, just looks at all this stuff, and just looks in the mirror, and just gets angry with it with himself for being a coward and not protecting the people of this city. So once uh, Red Lynx gets it, 
Once Red, once Red Lynx corners him, he takes his father's old antique pistol, fires mm-hmm. right between the eyes. And, you know, that's the end of it. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, my thinking on that would be, by counterpoint, uh, something involving a time vortex where they end up, like, a group of them ends up getting shunted back to the Mega War Two, which is number one. It's insane that apparently in that universe, World War Two managed to end up on like America's shores, which is crazy to me. Uh, like if we're going along the the analogy of it, because like the Red Legs crashed in Mega Cat City Harbor, which is cool, but like the idea, like they're they end up getting shunted back to that time and like something happens and then Mayor Manx's grandfather ends up getting knocked out or something. So he actually can't go up into the air and some way, somehow the mayor ends up having to take that plane up and be the one to actually take out the red links in the first place. I don't know. That would be a good, that would be a cool idea. Sort of like, uh, he, he now becomes, the way he now becomes his grandfather or better yet there could you know his his great grandfather meets his great grandson and is just so disgusted of what a coward he's become that Uh. yeah something like that where manx has to you know man up and you know become the man he his great his great grandfather would be proud of yeah and like and then that could spur on further growth throughout the season like that's yeah where he becomes yeah. a more where he becomes a more capable mayor and uh isn't just outgoing golfing all the time where mm. you know he's not only i want to say that could you know that could spur into its own character arc uh, by the way if the trembling brothers are listening you should just hire me and gossip to write your stories yep we were where it uh, could spur into it could spur into something where he's giving funding to the enforcers oh no wait what if power corrupts him and he ends up giving oh. more, and Mega Cat City ends up becoming a total police state. Ooh, okay. Hmm. Uh-huh. Taking a darker turn. That would be a darker turn. <laughs> hmm. And that would give Callie more skin in the game. Exactly. In terms of allying with them. Yeah, okay. All right. I can see that. And also, there's got to be a team up where the Enforcers and the SWAT Cats have to take on well i know you know feral and the cats themselves have teamed up but i mean Mm -hmm. on a more on a grander scale like the the like the choppers have to be outfitted with more of the tech that the cats have in order to combat the this particular monster villain uh of the day Mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember because there was the episode where they ended up going into an alternate reality where that universe of SWAT cats were evil. And I don't think they got back into the good universe. So if, like, they came back and it was just completely wrecking the town. <laughs> and so, like, the SWAT cats then have to deal with the enforcers and team up. I don't know. are all good. These are all great ideas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just... Just make checks payable. Uh, (laughs) To the the guy who agonizes over writing uh, minute-long ad spots. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll knock it out for you. 
would uh, would you have uh would you do any recasting for uh for T-Bone and Razor? <sighs> that's a tough call. I mean, that's if they're willing to come back cuz again, we don't know if they're coming back or not. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Yeah. But, you know, I'm thinking about it. I kind of want to see Razor played by Reno Romano. Okay. And as, right. for, as for T-Bone, that's another tough call, man. Hmm. I mean, Charlie Adler does great. And, yeah. you know, he's playing against type because he's usually the comedic relief mm-hmm. and not like, you know, the tough guy. Yeah. I say stick with Charlie Adler. Okay. Hmm. Uh, the only other alternates I could think of uh, and this is not at all influenced by me playing all the Resident Evil games in this past month at all. Uh, but <laughs> for some reason, like my mind just went to T-Bone being played by uh, like Roger Craig Smith and then Razor by uh, Matthew Mercer <laughs> and just have animated Chris and Leon, <laughs> basically. Because they kind of have that same dynamic of just like straight ahead strong guy and then like Let's take a minute and think this through. <laughs> so, I don't know. Abs- absolute fantasy idea, but that would not really fit, but by gum, I'd like to see it. Uh. <laughs> well, we'll know like when the news slowly comes out. The only other thing I know about, uh, about the reboot is mm-hmm. that they tried to... They tried to get WB Animation Studio to do it. They passed on it. They said no. They said they... I'm thinking, if I had to take a guess, maybe they're looking into Titmouse Studio. Oh, okay. I could see that. I could see that, too. I mean, Titmouse has done great stuff with action cartoons before, and I could see it totally going... I could see it going off the wall insane with that, with that insane, speedy... Stylish style, yeah. But you know what? Uh, you know what I just thought. Since uh, SWAT Cats themselves, SWAT Cats itself was partially animate. Was had some had some episodes animated by Mook Ltd. Especially mm-hmm. in the second season. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get Studio Trigger to do it for maybe for maybe an episode. Maybe the whole series. I I don't know if they would have the money for Studio Trigger, right. but I'd like to imagine. Yeah, they get them for at least like one sequence or one episode, or hmm. either that or Studio Four Degrees Celsius. Maybe, maybe a lot of possibilities. A lot the, of possibilities. The one thing that uh, it comes to mind, and this would be absolute weird pipe dream, but since they have the rights, I guess it wouldn't uh, qualify anymore. I know that I have a little bit more of a, a comics, uh, comic book thing than than you do. Have, are you familiar at all with any of the DC comics that have used Hanna-Barbera properties? I know of a, I know of a few. I mean, I know of the Flintstones one, but I haven't actually read any of them. Okay. Uh, they are varying qualities of interesting, uh, but their main thing that they did was just, here's our core concept. What can we do with it? And sometimes with older things like, you know, Flintstones, you just go full on into satire and all that. Uh, or you just go completely off the walls. But 
Swat Cats is like already a really good concept and a really great concept. And I almost would want to see what a what a comic book done by like DC would look like. Um by the way, to answer an earlier question from like twenty minutes ago, the only comic I can find online is called Nova Squadron. It is a fanfic comic. Ah. <laughs> It involves a lot of uh, cat people that may or may not have uh, OC character names. Do not steal, do not steal, do not steal. So, I don't know. I haven't read it. It might actually be good. I couldn't say, but it's out there. (laughs) I do definitely want to... At some point in my life, I would like to try and do a SWAT Cats cosplay. I think that'd be actually really cool to see. But... I I haven't really checked out... I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure with all the furries out there, someone has done at least one SWAT Cats cosplay. Either Here's... on the cats themselves or Callie, I'm not sure. That's a rabbit hole I'm kind of fearful to go down. Uh, I mean, you're okay looking at, like, Callie. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> formative years, people. Formative years. Uh <laughs> Uh, you can blame Callie Briggs, Chiana from Farscape, and uh, just just blue-skinned aliens in general for this generation's choices. <laughs> All right. Sorry to work so blue. All right. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Dave, for coming on and chatting with me for the past uh, hour or so. By the way, Dave has his own podcast called Unfollow the Revolution. You're on uh, season four right now, correct? Uh, Yes, season four will be coming out hopefully by the end of March. So maybe by the time you're hearing this, it will already be out. So who knows? Nice. And just a brief description of the podcast. It's a... it's an improv comedy set in the post-apocalyptic future. Uh, explain a bit more about that since we got some time. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, Unfollow the Revolution uh, fights the good fight. It stands up for the little guy. Uh, it is set in the year 3019. And uh, basically, you know how things in the United States are kind of not great right now. And there's a lot of, you know, just bad news all around. We thought it would be better if we went a thousand years in the future where everything is worse. Uh, so that's the premise that we're starting from. Uh, I play the character of Jack, who is a revolution enthusiast uh, who wants to overthrow the status quo and has absolutely no ideas on how to accomplish that and what would come after. And basically it's a framework to interview all sorts of weird and interesting people uh most of whom are played by improvisers from the atlanta area so pretty interesting very cool and i know there's a youtube channel uh where what other places might we uh hear this particular podcast oh wherever wherever quality uh things are found you can find us on itunes uh we have our own website unfollowtherevolution.com we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher. Um, you can find us on Twitter at UnfollowTheRevo. Uh, if you don't have a Twitter account, though, don't get one because it's a bad website. <laughs> you could probably find us on Bing. We're very Bingable, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, guys, I want to thank you again for listening. Uh, 
we got to refuel our jet and get out of here. So, this has been The Drawing Board, the podcast, episode three. And until next time, it's back to The Drawing Board. Signing out.